All right, let's, let's, let's just talk for a few minutes. Um, we're so blessed with the Lord's doing right now. Not just here, but how many know he's moving all over the earth? Don't, don't look for your spiritual information from the news. If it's good, they typically won't cover it. <laughs> no, for real. Remember when all that rioting was happening in Charlotte about, what, a year plus ago? We went and had a, a big uptown church praise and worship meeting, and we had churches from all over come together in Phil Marshall Park, and the news cameras sat in a truck right beside us waiting for ours to end any protest that was going to start next to us. They sat there the whole time and wouldn't do anything for what all these churches came together and did. But that's going to change. Because <laughs> here's the thing. There's things that can happen that people can't ignore. When God starts moving in power and like he is beginning to do, you can't ignore it. When the person sitting in the truck who's in pain, all of a sudden their, their pain goes away because the worship started. They can't ignore it. How many of you know most people are only about one encounter away from a better theology? People are about one encounter away from having a radical change in theology. Because without the experience, without the encounter, it's your word versus their word. But it's hard to argue something when you said, all I know is that my ankle was broken and no longer is it broken. And see, people are only about one encounter away from everything changing. I want, if you got your Bibles, we're just going to read from John chapter 1, verse, uh, we're going to jump in 43. John 1, 43. All right, I'm going to go quick. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Everybody say, We found him. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You ever felt that way? You ever been in a place in life where you just feel like, Can anything really good come from me at this point? He said, can anything good really come from Nazareth? <laughs> Philip said to him, come and see. He didn't need another argument. He needed an experience. He wasn't trying to say, well, let me break this down for you. He said, just come and see. Verse 47, so Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. <laughs> I love this. Stop right there. So Jesus is kind of moving in his seer gifting right now. Right? He literally just called him out and said, I was just looking at you sitting under a fig tree. Now, all of a sudden, your argument about 
I don't think your Jesus all of a sudden begins to change. Because he says, I saw you under the fig tree. (laughs) Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Stop right there a second. So here is Nathaniel, and Nathaniel is, is like so many people. He's just, he's, he's at this point where he's filled with doubt, and he says, you know, I, I don't know if that's him. And, and so he says, well, I'll tell you what, just come and see. That's like evangelism 101 for me. Let me just show you how good he is. And so come and see. And so he comes, and here's Jesus. And, and Jesus, did you notice the first thing Jesus called out? Behold an Israelite in whom is no deceit. He didn't call out to him, doubter. He knew what he was thinking. He didn't call out to him, and, you know, told you so. <laughs> called out to him, said, Israelite in whom there is no deceit. But even at that moment, he said, well, I don't know, I, you know, who are you? And he says, you know, Nathaniel, he said, I, he said, I even saw you before you were here. I saw you sitting under that fig tree. And Nathaniel says, you are the king. You see, most people are really about, and I'm going to say it again, they're about one experience away from having a radical change in what they think about God. See, my, my job, the thing about Jesus that we have to understand is when Jesus came to earth, It's important that we understand he didn't just come to display what the Father could do. He actually came to display what we could do. Jesus came to the earth with the purpose of saying, I'm going to show you. Obviously, he came to, to break the curse. He came to die on the cross. But if you read the fullness of the Gospels, he actually came to demonstrate heaven on earth. The purpose was to show you what you can do as a man because he came down as a man and said, I need to show you what you can do. And so Jesus came to actually model a normal Christian life. Jesus is the most normal Christian ever because he set the standard for normal. He is the standard. So then, therefore, he is the normal in the kingdom. I'm going to mess with your heads today, I can tell. (laughs) I'm ready to go for it, though. All right, so uh, Nathanael answered and said, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Verse 50, and Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Stop there a second. I always read this wrong. I always, you know, how many of you know that if you see the Father wrong, you, you, you view everything through a filter of how you see him? And I always saw that kind of as a rebuke, almost like a, he came along and said, well, I saw you under the fig tree, and now you believe. But it wasn't like that. He was saying to him, he said, you know, I saw you under the fig tree, and now you believe. You're going to see way greater things. You know what he was telling him? He says, your faith is getting ready to explode. If that amazed you, hang on, because you're going to see way greater than that. So he comes to him and he tells him, he says, he says, 
now that you saw that, you believe. You're going to see way greater things. And then verse 51 is huge for us. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This dude is like on the quickest growth track ever. He's gone from a moment ago saying, I don't even think you're Jesus. So now he's recognized and acknowledged he's the son of God. So God's saying, great news, you're going to see heaven open, angels ascending, angels descending, and all this is going to happen for you. And he didn't teach him any, any good doctrine to go with it. He just said, bam, here you go. Now, does this sound familiar? Because in Genesis, we find interesting scripture where the, the house of God was first established. Remember Jacob's ladder, right? It said that Jacob was running. He stopped. He slept on a rock. And he had this encounter where it said that he saw a ladder set up. Jacob's ladder is what we call it. He had the ladder set up, but the angels were ascending and descending. I always find that interesting that they went up and came back down. It's the little things, guys. They didn't go back down and then stay back up. They went up and came back. Why? Because they were, ah, we'll get there. And so <laughs> angels ascending and descending, open heavens, the voice of the Father, and something that we honestly tend to look over, what always happened in that counter is he was resting. He was resting. It's important that we recognize, it's interesting, because then the scripture said that the Lord said to him, he said, this place is none other than the house of God, Bethel, the gate of heaven, right? This is the first time the house of God was ever mentioned in your Bible. So what that's called is if you're studying the Bible, we use a, a process called first mention. You go back to the first time it was mentioned, and that sets the standard. So the standard for the house of God is an open heaven, angels, the voice of the Father, and rest. That's the standard. So then it moves on, and here he, now see Jacob though, see Jacob was way back here in this, having this encounter, but he wasn't in a new covenant like you, and so we come along, and here we are with Nathaniel, we're still not in a new covenant, but we're getting close, which is why the language was really important, because the Lord said to him, he said, you're going to see greater things, because they weren't there yet, but what did he say? Same exact thing. You're going to see angels and all that upon now the Son of Man, upon Jesus. Are you with me so far? This is one of my favorite topics to talk about because I, I, we, we have to grab what we carry. That's what I'm going to, that's probably if I have a, my greatest passion to talk to people about is to talk to people about what, who you actually are in Christ. Because the church does such a good job about teaching about Christ, but then we beat everybody up and say, God is so good, but you are such a sinner. And people are like, well, that's encouraging. You know what this was about? That was saying, I used to be a sinner. I got saved. I'm making a declaration that that's gone. I'm a new man. I'm not just a sinner anymore. That's a great old southern term, just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner that was saved by grace. And now he says, but now you're kings and priests. Yes. You're no longer just a sinner saved by grace. I went and saw a movie uh, a couple nights ago that was really good. It was a Black Panther movie. And um, like it or not, there was this one scene in it that really grabbed me because um, it's actually the picture. How many of you know that Hollywood, they're just ripping off the Bible? I mean, they don't know it, but they're constantly ripping off the Bible. It's like, oh, that's an Ephesians, dude. 
I'm like, I so knew that before you put this movie out. And there's this scene in this movie that if you've seen it where, you know, he, he gets panther powers or whatever, and um, they lay him down and they cover him up. Well, what is that? It's representing a baptism. They're burying the old man. And then what happens, he has this encounter, and this is where it gets cool, where he goes up in this dream and he encounters his father, who was the king before him. And he's kneeling down, my favorite line of the movie. And his father says, stand up now, you're a king. I was in the movie theater like, come on, Jesus. I'm like, I'm I'm like ready to start praying for people more, more, more. (laughs) This is, where's Andrew? You know, like, let's take him, man, let's take him. I'm like, he's like, stand up, son, you're a king now. But I see so many believers, it's like, we're just trying to get lower. And God's like, no, get up, get up. You're a king now. You're a priest now. You don't have to just try to kill yourself all the time. We're like, well, killing him, I gotta kill my old man. Well, was he dead or not? When you got buried, did you go back and dig him back up? He's dead. He's dead. I don't carry him around with me. Some people carry that skeleton on their back. It's like, he's dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. Either the cross was enough or it wasn't. And he said that, listen, you are now a new creation in Christ. He's talking here to Nathaniel. He's saying, Nathaniel, all right, we got you first. We got you past the first phase. You believe it's me. Good job. Okay. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to see angels. You're going to see open heavens. You're going to see all this. Nathaniel's just probably like, whoa, I just acknowledged your God, your Jesus. Whew. Something interesting that we do is we tend to draw a lot of lines that Jesus didn't draw. We draw these lines. See, Jesus had this amazing ability to talk about eternity and time in the same sentence. He had this ability to not draw lines. Like like we talk about the supernatural and the natural. Nowhere did he talk about that. It was just normal. We're never going to make the supernatural normal if we always consider it to be abnormal. If we always refer to it as, well, that was was supernatural. Well, when is that going to become the new normal? See, I'm talking to you this morning about what normal Christians look like. And it's not what you probably think. It's, it's not what a lot of people think because Jesus defined what normal Christians look like. And he said, I will have angels coming and going from me. I'll have an open heaven over me at all times. And the voice of the Father is always speaking. That's the normal Christian. That's the normal Christian. He didn't draw all these lines So the Bible says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, here's the thing. You can't have a renewed mind if you don't change the way you think. I I know I beat this one all the time. If you're here, you hear me talk about this all the time. People are like, well, you're not going to change the way I think. Well, then you're not going to be renewed. Because if you can't change the way you think, you can't be renewed. And if you can't be renewed, then you're not transformed. And Jesus, what did Jesus preach? Contrary to those of us that think he just came preaching, get saved. He actually never preached that. It was part of the kingdom message. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
but repent, we've made the word salvation and repent synonymous. When actually the word repent means to change the way you think. So Jesus said, stop thinking that way. Stop thinking that way. The kingdom's right there. The only thing stopping you from getting it is actually your thinking. And he came preaching to them, of course you need to get saved. I mean, there has to be a salvation. Uh, you have to get saved. But here's the thing is that we look at Jesus as he was the greatest evangelist ever. Now, he was, but he didn't just come preaching and get saved. He, kept, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom is what the Bible calls it. Getting saved is like walking into the foyer of a really big house. Some people just kick back and live on the floor in the foyer when he's saying, I've welcomed you into the whole house. It's actually yours. It's your house now. I'm convinced if we could figure out who we are in Christ, we would change the world quickly. If we could tell people who we are in Christ, you're not just some terrible person. I love getting a hold of people that are just so beat up in shame and just saying, oh, who told you that? Especially believers. You know, it, well, I'm just not holy enough. Well, you can't get any holier. If you're already saved, you're holy as he is holy, the Bible says. So if you think you've got to be more holy, you're saying he's got to be more holy. I'm trying to break apart words because we, we confuse the word purity with holiness, right? That's what we say. See, we should have good standards. I, I, I believe 100% in having good, healthy standards for my life. I'm not going around doing dumb stuff because I don't want to diminish when someone hears me preaching. They're like, he's a jerk. I believe that we should have good character. But, I, but here's the thing about holiness. I'm holy because he's holy. I'm in him and he's in me. And the spirit of religion tries to come in and confuse you and bind you up and say, well, if you would just wake up and take those 10 more minutes to read your Bible, you would really be holy. Well, it probably would be good for you, but it's not going to change your status. It's not like, you know, frequent flyer miles in the kingdom. And if you do this, you get upgraded to platinum and then diamond. And it's like, that's not how the kingdom works. And he says, you're my kids. I love you. I just love you. I don't tell my daughter or my son, you know, you've really been a handful today, so we're going to sit at the table, but I'm going to have you sit on the back porch. But that's how we see God. Well, he's, I really have let him down, and, and he doesn't want me. I can't do this. Because we don't understand who we are in him. Are you still with me? So the reason I find this passage so intriguing is that anytime we have people like Jesus, okay, yielded to what he's saying, listening to the Father, wanting to do what he does, we're going to see verse 51, angels, open heavens, the Father speaking. It's going to be there because Jesus set the standard. He said, this is what happens I want you to flip, or I'll just flip over and read it because we're going to come back here. So you can either go there, but Matthew 24, 14 says this one line, says, 
and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Everybody say the gospel of the kingdom. We are called to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Something interesting I want you to grab is that Jesus didn't commission, that was Jesus. He didn't commission them to preach the gospel of salvation. He commissioned them to preach the gospel of the kingdom. It will include salvation, but not limited to. I, I get really bothered. It's just probably a, a me thing. But I get really bothered by number churches. Like, we've led 20,000 people to the Lord. Now what? I mean, I could probably go to a Panthers game. If they would let me have the microphone, I could really push hard and get a lot of answers. Like, I, I, I could. But then what? Because Jesus said, okay, guys, you got to preach the gospel of the kingdom. You got to make disciples. You got to raise them up. And for me, when people say, you know, well, I've, you know, I've led this many people to the Lord. So, now what? How many people are you discipling? How many people are we sending out that's doing the gospel of the kingdom? I know I'm coming at you kind of hard. I'll say something sweet now. <laughs> Let me find something. I think that's a few pages later. Um, <laughs> so here's Jesus. He's taking Nathaniel. He's taking these disciples, actually. He's taking them through what I would consider like a, a three-year ministry school. Like the best, the most funnest ministry school ever. It's like he's throwing them in the deep end. Because he brings them in, and he's taking them through this process of understanding the kingdom. And then he says right here, he's saying to Nathaniel, he's saying, listen, you're going to see greater things. But here's the thing. Later on, something changes. It's graduation time. And then he says, you're going to do greater things. It's changed. You see, it went from Jacob's ladder when it was just, this is what the house of God looks like, to Nathaniel where he's going to say, you're going to see these amazing things. To where he re he's resurrected from the dead and says, good news, you're going to do greater things. And he says, okay, so here's the deal. I'm going up. Tag, you're it. Your turn. You see, when the disciples were, were, when the disciples were ministering, they were doing it almost like an un under an umbrella of his anointing. Because he hadn't died yet, he hasn't risen yet, they haven't received the Holy Spirit yet, so they're doing this under this umbrella of the Father, uh, Father's anointing. But Jesus said, listen guys, here's the cool thing. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna raise from the dead, I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit, and it's all yours. You'll do greater things. It's good stuff. The topic of understanding who we are in Christ is probably one of the, the least understood messages in the church at large. Because the devil is so scared of a bunch of believers that actually figure out who they are. He's not scared of church attendance. He's not that worried about it. But four or five people that start figuring out, wait a minute, you know who I am? 
I'm going to go like my mom. I know you look at me. I do not look Italian, but my mom's side is Italian. It's like, you know who you're talking to? You, you looking at me? <laughs> I am a son. You know who my dad is? You know you're talking to royalty? He's not scared of, well, you know I am a sinner. And I mess up all the time. He's like, ooh, I can take that. And you create a playground for the devil in your life to have fun when instead we say, listen, I'm a king. I'm a priest. Heaven, everything I carry. I put a little post on Facebook about a week ago, and I'm sorry if I made anybody angry, but I was so tired of seeing this remark. Well, when the whole uh, the terrible shooting happened at the school, and... Um, Everybody, it's like the church has a really bad habit of being extremely mouthy in sensitive times. Sorry, I'm just saying how it is. We get really mouthy instead of just weeping with those that weep. When people started taking it as a platform, well, if you hadn't taken God out of school, this would never happen. First of all, they took prayer out of school. You can't take God out of school. You got to understand this. If there's one believer who walks up and down those halls at that school, all of heaven, open heaven, angelic activity, voice of the Father is all in that school. They did not take God out of schools. Now, he's he's heartbroken about what happened. He's heartbroken. We can't possibly experience the pain that he experiences when things like that happen. But he was never been removed. They just removed prayer. What if we begin to equip kids and we begin to teach our children and begin to let them know you need to understand what you carry. You can shift the atmosphere in your school. You can walk up and down the halls and you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, look weird doing it. You can just be releasing angels in your school. You can do it. But we don't teach our kids because we don't even know we can do it. And we have to understand it. And what the father was trying to say, he was trying to say, Nathaniel, listen, dude, you're going to see amazing things. And then he gets to the disciples and says, listen, you've gone past just seeing it. Now you get to do it. Are you ready? He's saying, are you ready? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Let's wrap this up. I'm jumping all over the place here. I want to talk about one more aspect of it. Actually, a couple more aspects, and we'll finish up. I want to talk about the angels, and I want to talk about rest really quick. I'm not going to go long on rest. This is really important, though. We have to understand that, and I don't have time to teach all this and talk about all this, but things changed that when we went from, we talk a lot about covenants, that we changed into a new covenant. Remember, there, there was a thing that we called the Sabbath, right? Day of rest. But see, that has changed in the new covenant. And I want to I read you an article, very short, three paragraphs. This was written by, honestly, a general in the kingdom named Joe McIntyre who passed away just recently. 
And he wrote this on the Sabbath, and it grabbed my heart when I read it. He said, sometimes people get confused with the Old Testament types of New Covenant living. One frequently misunderstood type is the Sabbath. In the New Covenant, our Sabbath is resting from our own works and taking our place in his finished work. I'll read that again. In the New Covenant, our Sabbath is resting from our own works and taking our place in his finished work. We are now blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our part is to feed on the word, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring us revelation of what is already ours and enable us to walk in it. It's a major event when it dawns on us that the Father expects nothing from us that doesn't come from our relationship with him. I'm going to double up here, okay? Read it again. It's a major event when it dawns on us that the Father expects nothing from us that doesn't come from our relationship with him. He set, he set it up for you guys. The, he won't expect anything that he didn't already give you. He's not saying, expecting this demanding, cruel father that's trying to get their kids to do something that they can't do. He's already given it all to you. He that has entered his rest has ceased from his own works even as the Father has ceased from his. Man was created for the seventh day, the Sabbath. As he rested, having ceased from all his works, we see in Christ's work that we need to overcome the world and fulfill our destiny. We're called to be overcomers. You were, you were recreated for good works that God has predestined you to walk in. As you rest in him, Godly works flow from you, and you glorify the Father in earth. I know that's a massive amount to chew on. I just dropped a bomb on you. The Sabbath has gone from a day to a lifestyle. I think it's good to have healthy boundaries to rest, don't get me wrong. But it's gone from just saying it's only this day to saying I operate from a place now of rest. I don't have to strive anymore. I don't have to push for something. I can just operate from a place of rest. Before we wrap it up, it, it mentions something else. It talks about angels ascending and descending. We've had something cool happen because we've had like a massive amount of angelic activity with people. Like a lot of people see angels, and I believe them. Um, a lot of people have encountered angels, and what's cool is when people encounter an angel, and then someone who doesn't know them tells me, I encountered the same angel like last week. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and so here we see this. He says that the heavens will be open. The angels will, there will be angelic activity. In Psalms 103.20, it tells us this. It says that the angels are there to do his works. His word, actually, is what it says. The angels are there to do his word. Okay? The Bible also says that the word was with God and the word. Okay? So the angels do the word of God. As a believer, where does God abide with us now? 
this is so cool. I want, if you can get this. We as believers now have God living in us, right? Thank you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> good place to say amen. He lives in us. He abides in us. And so here's the cool thing. Now we can speak the word into whatever. It's called a decree, okay? Decrees are really important because when you decree, what you're doing is you're speaking God's word into a situation. It doesn't have to match up. Typically, it doesn't. Typically, you're looking at a really bad situation and decreeing, making a a declaration over that situation and speaking this. But here's the cool thing. I wanted to get one of my son's BB targets, but I couldn't find them. It's as if, it's as if when you get, when you speak, you decree into a situation, you take a target and you go and you put it on that situation. What did you do? You just released angels and heaven onto that situation because you took the word that was within you, he is the word, and you said, I'm placing it onto that so that son, that daughter, that spouse, that family member that's not living for the Lord, you can, you can speak over them and say, I just decree over you right now that you'll come into the love of Jesus Christ. You put a target on them. Say, and then angels are all over it. And the kingdom of God is released. Why? Because that's what they do. They carry assignments. I say it all the time. Reinhard Bonnke says this. He said, God's words that come out of your mouth are no more or less powerful than God's words coming out of his mouth. It's just as powerful. If God were to walk into this room right now and say, be healed in Jesus' name, you actually have the same authority. You just don't recognize it yet. You say, well, if God walked in and prayed for me, it shouldn't be any different than any believer in here praying for you. See, that's rocks with your heads, right? You're like, well, wait a minute. See, we just, we're, we haven't figured it out yet. We don't know what we carry yet. It's not my words, it's his. He said, you'll do greater things than me. We face impossible situations sometimes. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Thank you for what you've already done this morning. Thank you for what you're getting ready to do. I'm going to stand up for a moment, and we're going to hear in just a moment, we're going to have the prayer team up, and then if you need to leave, you can go. We understand. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment. How many of you in this room, uh, if you would be honest, let's just close our eyes for a moment. If you were to be honest, say, listen, I've had the message of, uh, I have had it beat down my throat to a degree of, who I am not, but I really have never been under a message of really hearing who I am in Christ. And you say, I need, to, I need more of a revelation of who I am in Christ. I want you to put your hand up. I know there's a number of people in here. Thanks. Thanks for being honest. Thanks. 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 If that's you, just put both hands out like you're getting a gift, because God's getting ready to <laughs> give you a gift. Father, I pray right now over every hand that was raised that has been in a place where they've not been able to understand, not be able to receive the fullness of their identity. I pray, I pray right now that you would begin to come in and you would begin to just, Father, open up their spirits, open up their hearts to begin to recognize that you are a queen, you are a king, you are a priest, who you really are in him who you are in him. I speak to all the things that have been, uh, I just, all the things that have been spoken over you, all of the negativity, I just cancel it out. 
I say that God's love is greater. It's greater. It's greater. I can feel his presence just like soak in the house right now. It's graduation day. Some of you, it's graduation day today. You're going from the seeing greater things to doing greater things.